Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 194. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Welcome back, my friends. I feel like I'm welcoming myself back to you because it's been a long time since I've sat in front of this microphone. It's a joy to be here. We are on the march to 200 episodes. And you're going to meet some people who are super important to me in our march to 200. One of them is today's episode. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad we are on this journey together because, wow, what a life. What a life we have and what a life we're creating. I am sending you all my best. I will see you next time and enjoy this episode with Dr. Shivanki. Ciao. So welcome back. I am so, so honored, so pleased, so joyous to introduce Dr. Shivanki. She's incredible. She has incredible depth, incredible passion. She has an incredible sense of humor. She has an incredible heart of service. She serves all, everyone. She serves family medicine patients in Canada and her community that could be in a clinic, on OB call, on at the nursing homes. I think she even does home visits. She's got a beautiful family. She is an entrepreneur. She's so many things, but to me, she really is such a role model for grit, courage, passion, and perseverance. So that's how I'd introduce you. How would you introduce you? <laughs> <laughs> My mom is going to love this podcast episode. (laughs) She's going to be like, yes, that's her. I would introduce myself saying that I am a family physician. I'm an obesity medicine physician. But what I really, really love to do is help physicians with their eating and weight and not just help them lose weight or really help them understand why it's so hard for us as physicians to go from the I know what I should be doing to the actual doing it consistently, especially when we have those really busy weeks or when we've been on call. And I think weight as a physician is a very unique thing. I've experienced it and we can talk about that in that it carries this unique shame and this unique ability to isolate as well as the emotional toil that it creates in our lives to have this one thing that we can't figure out is huge. I was just talking to, member and somebody who I think is going to join it, both talking about how much time and energy it takes up trying to figure out their eating and weight. And that's why I love to do this work is that when we work on eating and weight through different ways with really positive tools that fit into our life, all of a sudden you actually get space. It creates time and energy to think about other stuff, like things you might actually want to do which is huge and really, really powerful. And often as a physician, if you're sitting there struggling and working really hard and feeling like you can't stop eating at night, it doesn't feel like you have the space to actually address the eating and figure the eating out. And yet when we use better tools, we actually create space by figuring it out. So, so many things come up as you say that. Like, first of all, I think about the judgment, like the self-judgment about how I look or how I feel and how patients might be judging me or the things that patients say too, if I don't feel good about myself or my Mm -hmm. weight. Like asking us if we're pregnant when it's been a while since we had our kids. (laughs) Yeah. And well-intentioned comments, I'm sure, because I think in family medicine, like I really feel like my patients care about me. So 
like if they said something like that, I think that would be with a sense of excitement until they hear that. No, no, that's not pregnancy weight. (laughs) That happened to me so much. And it's a very awkward conversation to start a visit with. And you're right. It's like, it's not meant maliciously. It's meant like, Ooh, I'm so excited. There's, I think, you know, through our childbearing ages, our patients really enjoyed kind of knowing about our, our different pregnancies and stuff. But man, if you're on the receiving end and you're not feeling particularly good <laughs> about your eating or your body, it's a real like knife in the gut feeling that takes a bit to figure out how to manage without being heading into a spiral about it. One of the things that I think of is that we're busy. Like we are busy from the time we walk through the door. There are messages and inboxes and emails and training modules and things that we have to do to keep the practice going. So this is one more thing. And this thing is deeply personal. It it carries a lot of guilt and shame and it's, it just gets pushed off or pushed away. Is that what you're saying? I'm just speaking from my own experience. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, the other layer to that is that we've been taught that our stuff should come later. Like our needs as a physician come when other people don't need us. And that's, you know, we have to do that. Like if we're the one on call and we would really like to be cozy asleep in our bed and somebody needs us, we have to get up and forego our own needs in order to care for the patient. It's kind of partly what we signed up for, but it becomes this pattern that goes in all the different areas of our life we wait to focus on our own health or our own joy, our own relaxation when everything else is done. And the realities of our life is there's not a lot of space when everything else is done. Yeah. It's usually those minutes when you probably should be in bed, but you end up scrolling or watching Netflix just because you (laughs) really want to do something for yourself in the day and you haven't had any other time. Yeah. The to-do list for me and for many people I know, it grows rather than shrinks. And there might be things checked off, but then there's like two more things to replace that. I I almost wonder if I have this fear of being done. (laughs) Mm. Then I have to face all those things I pushed away. What would it be like to just not have anything on the to-do list? I'm not sure what that would be like. I think that most people who know you would say, of course you do this work. Of course, this is who you are. Can you say like, how, how is it that you feel called to do what you do? And you don't have not specifically focusing on weight, but just all of the realms of who you are and what you do. I think it's interesting when I think of like, how did I become this? Because I didn't know that this is what I was going to do. And when I say that, like there was quite a bit of time where I didn't know I was going to be a physician. I grew up in a small Northern community and I didn't have people model being physicians definitely there's I think one woman physician in our community most were like older men I thought in order to be a doctor you had to be really smart and didn't consider that I would meet that criteria so becoming a physician didn't occur to me till university and I had friends that you know once you go into a bigger university everybody's talking about oh I'm pre-med I was like well that's nice and uh, then I had a friend say, hey, I'm, I want to go to this talk by UBC about their medical program. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come with you. And then in the talk, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'd really like this. And it was the first moment I'd ever considered maybe that could be possible for me. And I think that's a really 
useful theme for anybody listening who has any sort of goals. That first step of opening up to like, maybe that could be possible for me opens so many doors. I don't know what you think about that. I didn't think I'd ever become a doctor until kind of I started working to try to become a doctor. Like it was like, I was like, oh, maybe I want to do this. And then I had to start doing all my prereqs and getting everything in order. And then I chose family medicine because as I went through all my rotations, I loved everything. And each rotation, I'm like, maybe I'll do this. And I'm like, but then I don't get to, like, if I do OBS, then I don't get to see the like kids and you don't get to like do the heart, the cardio, cardiovascular stuff in older people. Like there's these pieces when you say yes to, especially that you miss out on. And so that's what attracted me to family medicine. What I do now with the obesity medicine and coaching physicians and having a podcast, I 100% never, ever would have thought that I would be doing that. Definitely not the podcast. Like for so many years, I struggled with my weight, felt so ashamed and so frustrated by it that I hoped nobody else in my life knew what I was struggling with. And I tried to hide the extent of my struggles and the extent of the eating that I was doing all to really compensate for not caring for myself in any other way, really, but trying to keep it hidden and hoping that I was doing a good enough job that people didn't notice. And so the idea of speaking openly about the fact that I struggled, I, I would never have even considered it. And so it's interesting that again, it was a moment where I was just like, hmm, maybe I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I was like, I think I'd really like to coach physicians and maybe having a podcast would help me do that. Then I started creating a podcast <laughs> and, and started um, putting my name out there as somebody who coached physicians. That was about five years ago now, but that was probably, I would say, one of the cr most courageous moves I've ever made in my life. Far more courageous than like anything I've done in medicine to like put yourself out there speak openly about the most vulnerable things or the biggest perceived flaws that you have mm. in the hopes of helping other people. When I first started, I worried I would get in trouble from having the podcast and speaking about things like that, which is in retrospect is really interesting because I already had my obesity medicine certification, I believe, or I was close to doing it. I was studying for it at least. So like I'd done extra training in obesity medicine, and yet I still doubted myself and thought somebody was going to come and tap me on the shoulder and be like, you can't be talking about that stuff. <laughs> You're not allowed to, which, you know, it's so interesting looking back on it. The chatter really comes up. The, the chatter about who are you? Who are you to say those things? Have you published? Mm -hmm. Like I can think of all the comebacks. What did it take to really keep going? And not just give in to, that's a terrible idea. Why I never want to do that. You know, I think that especially at the beginning, it was the thought of the possibility. So when I first started doing my weight management obesity medicine program, I really wanted to figure out a way to help physicians. I was way back in like 2016 is when I started that because I knew what it was like to struggle as a physician. And I knew that as physicians, it's really hard for us to access support in our communities that shame often creates barriers. Like I would go to Weight Watchers meetings and then could never raise my hand and talk about what was actually happening because I was pretty sure a few people in the room would recognize me. And I didn't feel it was okay. I don't have this handled. And yet now, of course, I know that that's totally fine. But being in that experience, I didn't think it was. 
so the initially it was just like i think this could be a really good way of helping that population that i've felt a, a desire to help for a very long time and then how did i keep going i think there was a lot of times where you kept me going <laughs> as my coach because thinking like it you know doing this work and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and trying stuff that we don't have training in and when i say that i'm talking about the entrepreneurial side of this of having to market and figure out how to tell people hey i can help you and hey i could change your life it's tough and as my coach you know many times i would end up in tears <laughs> and you were the person that kind of talked me through it and told me to go take a break stop working so hard this is my my summary of how you usually help told me when i was in those states <laughs> and i would go have a nap and then i'd be like okay and then i could keep going but yeah you know it's been ups and downs but definitely still the best thing i've ever decided i'm proud of, of doing and creating in my life your journey is absolutely incredible not only building a business but how it has impacted so many lives and the feedback that you get the feedback on your podcast the feedback in the different programs and the things that you've done, the feedback in the course offerings that you offer for free. It's just absolutely incredible. Can you speak and, and share so that others can hear what's on this on the other side of, of what sucks or doesn't feel so good in the moment and keeping going? I think like the, because I definitely, there's an analogy, a weight journey or any other journey, right? Is the, the, keeping going even when you doubt yourself and even when it feels like nothing's working and when it is really hard. I think what's on the other side is growth because it's those moments where you really get to know yourself and you learn some of the ins and outs that you may not have known about yourself before. Um, and it's, I think courage and confidence comes on the other side because it's like, everything's relative right and when we've been through tough stuff and we kept going that then becomes your reference point for the next time things are tough and you know if you can keep going through one tough patch and hopefully talk nicely to yourself during it and and have your own back during it the next time you hit a tough patch you have something to think back to and to consider you know what i've done this recently you know it was tough back then and I got through it, got better. All I need to do is just keep going. I think that's really powerful. And each time you do that, I think you become a stronger individual. And I would say like personally, just feel more, like maybe more centered might be the right word through all these ups and downs. Like each individual up and down as I've gone has been really, really hard. Um, but the combination of all of them together, I think just gives me strength, might be the best word for it. What can you say you absolutely know now that you didn't know five years ago? A lot of things. And that's why I'm pausing is I'm trying to think, what, what is the big thing that I absolutely know now? You know what, honestly, and I'm sharing this because I know a lot of people listening might not have this belief and yet I think it's true for everybody listening is I absolutely know that I can do whatever I put my mind to and it doesn't mean I do it right it doesn't mean everything goes smoothly but I know if I really want something and it matters to me I can keep going and I can figure it out 
Absolutely. And and that's because you have. Like you had to mm-hmm. and you did. Something's either going to end this path or you're going to keep going. And you've you've just kept going and innovating and creating and adjusting. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. And you know, that was true in my weight journey too. Like even in my lowest moments, sitting in Wendy's drive-through, being like, why the freaking am I here again? And feeling just like so out of control with that food. I, I would be like, okay, do I just give up? And there was always this piece of like, no, like this still matters. Like I still, it matters to try to improve my health and try to figure this out. And I share that with, um, on my podcast and with a lot of people I coach is one of the most powerful thoughts I used in my own weight journey is I'm figuring this out. Even when I was sitting there eating French fries in a drive-thru, I would say to myself, okay, I'm going to figure this out. What, you know, what does this mean? What was going on today? Why am I here right now? Um, and ultimately that helped me totally change my relationship in those moments. It felt like it wasn't working. And again, I'm sharing that because I know so many people on weight or other journeys will have that feeling in the moment where you're like, it can't be working. It doesn't seem to be working. And yet if you just keep going down the road, it turns out it was working. One of the things that I have held on to a lot is from my running coach. When Craig and I were doing the marathon training, she said, what you're doing today, you will see the benefits in two to three weeks. And so it helped me to get through the harder stuff. Like, okay, there isn't going to be a reward today, or, or there may not be a reward today, but that reward is in the future. Mm-hmm. How do you, for yourself, hold on during those rough times? And how, what do you notice that's missing for others that you can add some insight for their journey? I think um, during the rough times, what I do differently now that I didn't used to is when I notice that I'm struggling, I I really intentionally try to look at how I'm actually caring for myself. What is it that I need right now? And identifying that it's struggling and asking myself what I need. What I would have done before is just kept going in the struggle and continue to feel, you know, like I had less control, less power, and it would have kept going. And so sometimes what that means is I stop some of the things I've been doing as you know, I'm my worst enemy for the amount of pressure I can put on myself to of things I want to do. I have a, I have a lot of creativity, which I love, but what that means is I can generate ideas of stuff I want to do. That sounds amazing. And when I try to fit those all in and with work and medicine, sometimes it's too much. And so often when I'm struggling, it means pulling away. Um, I forgot the second piece to your question. I had a second thought that I was going to share. What do you notice that's missing when when people are in in the struggle? Yeah. What are they generally missing? Yeah, so I think they're missing that self-care piece of like, when I'm struggling, what is it that I actually need instead of just staying in the struggle? Um, the other piece that I think doesn't get talked about, especially when it comes to weight, is the piece of how can I actually make what I'm doing fit 
me right now. So even if I'm struggling and my life is really busy, how can I take the things I'm wanting to do for self-care or managing my eating or weight and actually fit them in? So it's not me trying to change during a really busy time in my life, but it's like, I have this amount of time. What is feasible for me to actually do that'll help me feel a little bit better during that time? And I think that concept of meeting yourself where you're at instead of expecting yourself to change in order to be successful is a big one that's missing from a lot of different goals that we work on. It sounds like enoughness, like just letting something be enough. Yeah, huge. So I started still, taking still up- working on that one. Oh, me too. So <laughs> Craig and I started a language program <laughs> and I went to an immersion class and at the end of it, I hated it because they were talking, they were, the instructor was speaking in the language the whole time. I had no idea what they were saying most of the time. The vocabulary they were using was different than the one that was given. And I was so frustrated and I realized if I can't do it perfectly, I don't want to do it. Like this, this default setting. And I didn't realize as how much of a perfectionist I am. And I imagine that you see that in your programs. Oh, absolutely. Like if we're talking about weight and eating, that perfectionist comes in of like, I'm to be successful, I need to be perfect. And if I eat this one thing, it means I'm no longer perfect. Therefore, I'm no longer successful. And so that's when you start to get those huge swings, right? Where you're like, okay, I'm on it. I've meal planned, I've meal prepped, I've done all the things. And you have a few days where you feel really good. And then you're like, and now I'm back to square one again. It's that perfectionist. Um, And the reality is any big goal is about living the goal. And what that means is your life is naturally imperfect. We are imperfect as much as we try to be perfect. It doesn't work out for us. So we will be imperfect on our way to a goal. And if we can change those conversations of that imperfection and view it as this is part of reaching this goal, it's not a problem. This is the next step in reaching this goal. The learning that I get from this from this discomfort of being imperfect right now will help me reach the goal, um, then I think it really changes the journey. You have a program on the qualities that help us be very successful as a physician don't help us on weight loss. Would you offer like one or two of those? Oh, totally. You're talking about that's a a free, a free, um, little kind of mini course that I created called the three surprising habits that um, stopping you from reaching your goals or something like that anyways but um, number one the I one of the biggest ones as physicians is that idea of if we want more in our lives we need to work more and because we are high achievers because we work at very high paces in our normal days there usually isn't actually much space to work harder. Um, And so kind of relates to that perfectionist um, mindset too, in that you may be sitting there thinking, okay, I need to work on my weight. Okay. I need to like wait till there's a nice week where I don't have any extra meetings and I'm not on call. I've got the space to really do all that meal prep and really focus on it. 
And the problem when we take that approach is that version, that ideal version isn't going to work in our other weeks. And so what we need to do and what I teach the physicians I work with to do is how can we create change without working harder? How can we actually work less hard, put less effort in and actually create more change, which is totally possible. What it takes is looking for places where a smaller effort has a bigger impact. And that usually means not focusing on the food all the time, which would be another mistake that we've all been taught to do is if we want to change our eating, we're like, okay, the candy at night, how do I stop eating the candy at night? I need to not eat the candy at night. And yet that's the highest effort place to focus with the least amount of yield. You could spend a whole lot of effort telling yourself not to eat candy at night. And if you're super stressed after work, you're probably going to still eat the candy. When we get curious about why it is that that candy holds such power at night, and we look for earlier parts in the day to be like, where, where can I intervene? And then what happens is the urge to eat candy kind of fades away. So you don't even directly have to try not to eat candy, but also your day feels better because of the intervention you've created. Then that would, that would be a situation where we put less effort in and we've created way more impact. And I think, especially as physicians, that's a really powerful way to focus on creating habit change and changing your eating and other health habits. For sure. Like we're not taught to think like that. We can do less mm -hmm. and have a better outcome. We're very good at like head down, work harder, grind harder. Like, and we do that every day, right? Like, oh, hey, there's a bunch of fit in patients. Oh, you know, somebody's sick. They need you to cover their shift or their call. And we're like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Like as a physician, we're very good at like, okay, okay, okay. And we put our head down and we grind and we get it done. And so then we try and apply it in our personal life, but we just don't have the extra energy to do that. Nor does it feel good, right? And I think you'd agree is if we're creating change in our, in our life, the change we're creating should feel good. It should be enjoyable change, not like oh, gonna work change. Because if it's enjoyable, then it's going to last longer. Can you talk about the pivot that you created in your business? Because you went mm -hmm. in a new direction, incorporating a new term and introducing the idea that life doesn't have to be working harder. Yeah. So I, when I first started working with physicians, I was really focused on specifically stress eating. And so I had a program called Stress Eating SOS, which was a really helpful program. Um, I think changed a lot of physicians eating, but over time, I didn't like always focusing on just the eating, like what I just said, plus I think it was missing out on all these other benefits that can happen. And so I wanted to create a program that the focus was more on a positive side of it. So it wasn't about where you're falling short. It's about what do you actually want in your life? And so I, I created a program called Thrive Academy for Physicians, where we do eating and weight. And our focus isn't just lose weight, because if you want to do that, you can just find a diet on the internet and try and follow it. But our focus is really in let's thrive in the weight loss journey. Let's love everything we do to lose weight. Let's make sure the things we're doing actually make our day better. And let's look for those opportunities where we are actually putting less effort into our eating and weight and feeling more and more in control and seeing more and more results. And at the same time, let's really focus on thriving in our lives because the two go together. 
often we try to treat our eating and weight as a silo while feeling totally overwhelmed and burnt out in the rest of our life. And it just doesn't work because our brains are using the food to try to fix the overwhelm and the burnout. We have to feel better in our lives and then it makes it easier to feel better around food. And when we talk to ourselves differently about food, it makes our day feel better because we're not beating ourselves up about the things we ate last night. And they just, they really support each other and kind of ladder up. And what are you noticing? So what what are you hearing as far as those who've been in Thrive Academy and how they feel at the end of it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because when you talk about this, I think when somebody is thinking about joining, it's hard for them to picture this when I talk about it. But um, I just talked to somebody today where when they joined, their biggest concern was binge eating, which for people listening, binge eating is recurrent episodes of feeling very out of control with your eating, often eating to the point of feeling physically uncomfortable. And and it's a, a special interest of mine helping physicians with binge eating. So they had come to me feeling really disappointed in themselves and feeling like they probably would never be able to stop binge eating. And I just was talking to them. They're almost finished. And they were saying, like, they just don't binge eat anymore. Even they've been through some significant health changes that, like, would have a very good chance of um, increasing binging. And, and it doesn't. It hasn't. And at the same time, they are feeling joyful at work. Like um, they had been feeling burnt out and kind of sad and dreading work. And now they're loving it and they love going to work. Um, And they feel like they have space in their mind. They're not um, always thinking about their eating and their weight and, and they have, they're feeling better in their body, even though it hasn't changed a lot because when we're working on binge eating, the goal at the beginning is not weight loss. It's about stabilizing the eating. So the weight comes once you've stabilized the eating or it can come if that's what you want. But so just like huge benefits that ripple into every single aspect of your life. And I think if you're sitting there thinking, I really need to work on this eating. I don't understand why I always eat. It can be hard to imagine that actually feeling better. But I think it also can be, it's even harder to imagine that feels better and also your day is better. You like your job again. You feel like you have more time in your day. You like your partner again. Like all these other benefits that you and I both see working in the coaching sphere all come along with it. And I think, you know, if you're sitting there listening to this and thinking like, that's hard. I can't imagine that actually happening for me. I'd say, yeah, it really, really can. Like, um, you know, we've both worked with enough physicians over the time to know that these are pretty classic outcomes that happen when somebody, when a physician does coaching. Um, And it's amazing. It's life-changing. And that's why I love it. For sure. I find it so interesting with the Emerge Conference, there's no doubt in my mind that in four days, somebody is going to leave a different person. They're going to see themselves differently. They're going to be surrounded by women that will stay in their lives. And they've been introduced to new ideas or concepts, or they've had this this time and space to really explore things. And yet there is so much fear to actually push the button and register. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder if, if you see that in Thrive Academy as well. Like you can see what their life is going to be like in three months or six months, and they can't see it at all. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I think it comes back to like what I said earlier is that like, maybe this is possible for me. Um, and I, I think if we've been living our lives stuck in either a, a challenge that like eating that we're just really stuck in or just stuck in the overworking, not caring for ourselves, putting our needs at the bottom of the list compared to everybody else's feeling a bit burnt out taking that leap to do something that's for yourself can feel scary. And I think it's scary on a few levels. One is it's scary on the level of really, I think, do I deserve to invest this in myself? Like, so, you know, Thrive Academy for physicians, we're talking about investing six months. So putting some time, putting and paying for a program to change how you eat. A lot of physicians think they should have changed their eating already and blame themselves because they haven't. And so they, you know, they can struggle with wanting to join thinking I shouldn't need to do this. If I would smartened up, I would have fixed it before using, I'm using terms that they would use. And I think it's probably the same for join, like hitting the button to join the conference is that idea of like, am I worth traveling to do something that really is for me? And I'd say, yes, yes, we are. We all are. Absolutely. It's such a, a joy to walk on the journey with people to see how they can see themselves differently. One of the things that I see so often is the lack of self-compassion, the lack of kind, kind self-talk, the lack of putting time in the schedule to do something that is not on the to-do list and do something that's joyful or playful or creative. Um, so just shifting that narrative is huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, it really comes down to this is our one life. And we as physicians know that more than anybody else in that this one life can change very suddenly without warning. Um, and, you know, how do we want to live it? Like, do we want to always have that delayed gratification of like, okay, you know, when the weekend comes, I can relax, but then we don't because there's a big to-do list. When I get that vacation, I can relax, but then it takes us three days to relax. And then we start worrying about the pileup of paperwork when we come back. And then we start being like, okay, when I retire, life is going to be amazing. And yet, you know, it's this constant pushing off. And I think it, it robs us of what our life could be like. And if we just say, I'm worthy of investing in myself, I'm worthy of um, taking time for myself, I'm worthy of putting time in my schedule to do something that really only benefits me because this is my life, then that's when, you know, we start to live the life that we actually want to be living now rather than waiting for it to happen to us. Because it's not going to happen unless we create it, right? Like even in retirement. It doesn't happen unless we've created it. Right. We take our habits with us. And if our habits mm -hmm. are like restriction and scarcity and always focusing on something tangible, nothing's going to change. What does yeah, every absolutely. listener need to know? I think, you know, regardless of why you're listening or what goals you're working on, I think honestly that you're worth taking time to consider what you need and, and you're worth putting those needs earlier in your day. So I was just coaching about this last night in a session of inside in Thrive Academy of the idea of like, by the time I 
get the kids in bed. It's really time I should be going to sleep. And yet I just want some time to myself and want to, you know, so I end up staying up late. And what we we're talking about is why is it that that's the time of the day that you get to have for yourself? Like, what if there were like some little chunks earlier in the day where you got to do the thing you wanted to be doing, where you got to read a book or do something else? And what if that was totally okay? And that nobody lost out on things just because you took a 15 minute break to read a book. And what if all the work still got done? Because it does, it will. It's getting out of the, I have to earn it. I have to earn that break. I have to earn that the right to read a fiction book. I have to earn whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we've already earned it. I was going to say, can we just agree? Everybody listening has already earned it. You've already earned it. <laughs> because yeah. yeah, you've done, you did that a while ago. And that's the thing. I think it's a challenge once you switch into attending hood, right? Is as a resident and learner, there's people telling you you've done well enough. When you're an attending, nobody's tapping you on the shoulder to say, hey, you've earned a break. And if we take that mindset with us of that overworking, I've got to do more. There's always more things on the to-do list. Like we talked about at the beginning, you may never feel like you earned it. Because feeling like you earned it comes from deciding you earned it. It's as simple as that. It doesn't come from what gets checked off on the list. It's you just decide, I earned it. I deserve this. A friend of mine says, she talks about how we have to get an A plus in every single thing that we do, except as an adult, there's no grade, mm -hmm. but yet we're still working towards that A plus level, which means the to-do list is full and we're busy and we're scattered and stretched too thin. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's totally true. So clearly I am a huge fan of Dr. Shivanki, clearly because of who you are. Can you speak about the people you love in your life who have taken this journey with you? Well, sure. So I have um, married and my husband has had to put up with all these ups and downs on this journey. We started dating when I was 16. We met working at Subway, just as a little, uh, little side for people. And we've been together ever since. So this will be our 24th year of marriage coming up. But And then we have three kids two twin 13 year old girls who just started high school and a son who's 10 and Sam, a Labrador retriever, who is my trail running buddy, who makes my days happy. Being out on the trail with him is my, one of my favorite things to do. And in this full life that you lead, do you have hobbies as well? I do. And you know, I just for full um, disclosure, I struggle finding time for them and it's a constant, like, Oh, I created time. And then I came back. One of the things that I think most is me and that I identify with is art. So as a teenager, I loved art. I considered going to art school and painting is the medium that I really like. And there's a lot of years after having kids that I didn't touch it at all. So it's something that I've been working on bringing back into my life and I do it in bits and starts, but I really love having time to paint. Um, and then the new thing that I'm doing right now is learning hip hop. So I'm doing hip hop classes, um, which is totally fun. And one of the hip hop classes is a hip hop in heels, which is kind of like, honestly, I think it's one of the best things I've done because what it involves is watching yourself move, trying to move in a sexy type manner in a mirror while all the thoughts come up in your head about that shouldn't be there and that shouldn't move in that way. <laughs> and 
it's really been a process of working through some body image stuff that I may not have known was there and starting to like really reclaim my body as as mine in the exact way it is right now which um has been good and it's it's a lot of fun too so those are my hobbies right now so can you distill it down like if the goal is freedom and fulfillment what holds us captive I think we've already talked about I think what holds us captive is that thought of I have to earn it the the freedom comes later and somebody is going to tell me when I get to have that those experiences and I would say that's one of the biggest things that coaching brought to my life when I first started when I first hired my very first coach is that understanding and experience that I can have these things because I decide to have the things and I can just by working on how I'm thinking about my days I can create the freedom I can create whatever I want to create now. And when you start to learn that and you start to practice those skills, it's huge. And more effective when you're doing it in a community, I think, yeah, absolutely. or at least with, with somebody else so that it isn't, we get so stuck on our own and then we isolate and then we fall into shame and guilt and start restricting and saying we're not good enough and we're never getting anywhere. Like the whole cycle and in community changes. Yeah, I think being in a community of physicians is powerful. And I I think it's so common that we like we have colleagues and we interact with them at work and stuff, but there's not that like shared experience and that vulnerability that you get in some of these communities. And so like in my community where we're talking about eating and weight, for a lot of people, some of the things we talk about may be things they never have never spoken to to other people. And to be able to hear if you're sitting listening and somebody's speaking about binge eating and you have never ever talked about your binge eating and you thought you were the only doctor that did it, hearing another physician talk about it is huge. And that can only happen in community. And I definitely have seen power. I used to do just one-on-one coaching, as you know, but by being able to have more of a small group format where there's lots of opportunity for direct support and also that benefit of that community for my members who have a lot of that shame and a lot of those feelings around their eating and weight being in that community and having that format is much more helpful for them than even when i was able to do like direct one-on-one coaching with them i I love that i love that for your community it's like the door gets unlocked and it's this mm-hmm. offering, like you don't have to be in there alone. Because it's not this alone. relief, right? Yeah, like the oh wait, it's not me. It's not it's just me. It's not just me. Yeah, for sure. It's other people. It's huge. And it comes to the self compassion that you were talking about. I think it's a lot easier to have self compassion when you're in a community where people talk openly about their struggles, and you realize that you're not doing anything wrong. That what you're experiencing is normal, and you can work on tools and approaches to work through whatever's going on. For sure. My default setting is I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong yeah. and I'm not getting anywhere. And when I'm doing I buy, it wrong and it's not working. <laughs> this isn't working. Yeah. So it's refreshing to be like, wait, that's not just me. Oh, yeah. no. And that's, and I'm not right. 
Dear friend, it is an honor, honor, honor to witness your journey, to to know you, to see what you are creating and bringing to life and opening up for others. No pressure, but any final thoughts? <laughs> I would just say, you know, it's an honor to know you as well. And I don't think I would be at this point in my journey without you because of the coaching and all those times where you were there when I was in the it's not working and falling to pieces stage and so you know thank you and i think the work that you do is amazing and important and anybody who has opportunity to work with you or come to your conference is lucky thank you so much where can people find you so you can find me on my podcast which is the thriving as a physician podcast it's available on all the players or you can head over to my website which is called weight solutions for physicians.ca and then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Siobhan Key, which is, I'll spell that because not everybody knows how to spell that. <laughs> it's D-R-S-I-O-B-H-A-N-K-E-Y. So come follow me, send me a DM, tell me you found me on Dina's podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so very much. I love you so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs>